Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Brie. And today we have author Reese Ryan with us. Welcome back to the show. We're so excited to catch up with you again. How has 2022 been so far? Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back with you all. And 2020 has been a little crappy. I'm not, I'm not going to curse today. But <laughs> 2022, I'm sorry, has been a little bit of a whirlwind and super crappy. But um, there have been moments that were wonderful. And so I'm going to ride those. Okay, well, we'll get started with icebreakers. Are you ready? I am. Okay. If you came with a warning label, what would it say? Don't ask if you don't want to know. One of my biggest pet peeves on the internet, among friends or in real life with family or whatever, do not ask me a question. I ask you if you want me to answer honestly, and then you don't, then you have like a fit because what the answer is. So if you do not want my honest opinion, please do not ask me questions. Just, you know, because I will smile and nod and just kind of look at you and give you give you that space to live in your delusion. <laughs> but it's like, you asked. I'm going to tell you. So. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, that's, that's what my warning label would say. What was the last song to get stuck in your head? So that's two songs, basically. And um, one is Virgo Groove by Beyonce from her new Renaissance album. And the other album that I am so in love with right now is Forest in the City by an artist called Umi. And so she has a song called Moonlit Room that I absolutely love. So those are the two songs that kind of get stuck in my head. And I am that person that will play an album to death into my family. It's like, stop. What is one of your favorite gifts you've treated yourself to this year? Um, I'm going to say at this point, just that I can think of, um, binge watching only murders in the building the first season so um <laughs> after a series of deadlines that came one after the other i finally was like okay i'm finally gonna watch this show and i loved it i watched the first season i have yeah. not watched it yet so it's funny because like things like that like I, you know just like I, the last season of Shit's creek I have been telling myself when you get to, you know, through certain deadlines or whatever, I'm going to treat myself to watching that final season. I have not watched that final season yet. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes just basic things like that can be like the thing I've treated myself to. Yeah. Yeah. We need to like normalize it being okay, especially as readers and I'm sure for writers, but for you all, like you have deadlines and stuff, but like we have to normalize just like binging a show sometimes. <laughs> sometimes you need that, just that way Some of relaxation. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's absolutely true. Uh, you know, and so, and I, <laughs> I, I, I love that show. I love shows like that. So, um, whenever I can get a chance to just clear the mind, don't do anything, binge watch something, I'm, I'm, you know, a little bit in heaven. So, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, okay, it's been about six months, Miss Reese, since our last episode of Story Behind the Story on your YouTube channel. We have to know, are there plans to host more episodes? You've mentioned deadlines, so maybe you haven't had the time, but what are, what, what's going on? So that is, I absolutely have plans to do it. Let me tell you, I bought the expensive camera, upgraded the microphone, bought all this equipment, and I've like just been on deadline after deadline. So every month I keep passing, you know, pushing it back. I'm going to start in March. I'm going to start in May. I'm going to start in June. <laughs> so before I know it, it's going to be 2023, but I, I do have absolutely have plans to start again. So like I said, I'm hoping now September will be when I start again. And but when I start, I'm going to definitely plan like an entire season at one time. So like it'll be a season, then I'll have a small break and then a season and a small break. So yes, it is high on my list of priorities. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like what great. did you enjoy about, like, what have you enjoyed so far about the series, that the, the episodes that you have out so far, like creating those and the conversations? Like, what have you enjoyed most about it? What I enjoy most about it is that my goal for the show was for it to come off as just two writer friends having a conversation like over coffee and the readers get to be a part of it. And that's the feeling that a lot of um, viewers have told me that they've gotten from the show. So I... I'm thrilled that that's come off. And I'm also thrilled about the people that I've got a chance to host on the show and talk to. So um, like Miss Bev and Miss Brenda and Donna Hill and, you know, Adriana Herrera and just amazing folks, uh, Angelina M. Lopez, just people that either 
I already knew, you know, but it was great to get a chance to tap into, you know, some of the things that they're very good at, like Naima Simone talking about writing sexy times, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So having those conversations with writer friends and then writer icons has been amazing. And then having that open dialogue where readers get to be very much a part of it and it's a very interactive show. That's what I love so much. See, y'all got me hyped again, so I have to give back. That's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah. okay. I've already identified several guests for the next upcoming shows, and so I'm excited about those. Not going to tell you who they are yet, but okay. uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. I just selfishly would like to request another Kamani roundtable because I loved that. Hey, I'm so, Okay, and you know what? And we talked about that then. As soon as we ended, we said we were definitely going to do a part two of the round table. So thank you for reminding me of that. I'm going to do a part two of that probably and a part two of the desire. Okay. Right. Something we'd love to hear you talk about is the two part interactive writing workshop you have available for writers on your website. What inspired you to start the workshop and can you share all the details about what it entails? So that's interesting because uh, I don't, I'm not sure when exactly I decided I wanted to do a workshop, but um, I knew like several years before I actually started doing them. And so like I had in my head that this was a goal that I wanted to do, but an author friend kept in inviting me like two years in a row to do a workshop for her writer's group, which is in North Carolina, but it's like an hour and a half or two hours toward the beach. And I kept saying no, because mentally I'm just like, Oh, what do I know? <laughs> you know, like I'm going to do this one day, but what do I know right now? Whatever. And so finally, uh, she asked me and I said, yes. And so I put the workshop together. And so, uh, you know, and it, it started from me loving the workshops that I've had a chance to, to be a part of and realizing over time, okay, I have learned to do these certain things and what I might be actually kind of good at some of these things. <laughs> so, I think so. And that's what made me finally start to say that. So it's a two part, when I do it, as one, it's a two-part workshop. The first half deals with building believable characters. And so we talk about like all the things that go into making a character like a fully fleshed out, you know, character that feels like someone you know, you know. So we talk about all those different things, the flaws and the, you know, the strong points and um all of that of a character that you're trying to trying to create this really full 3D picture of what an individual is like. And the thing I think in that part I talk about, or that I think I want people to realize the most is like, we do not exist in a bubble in real life. Right. And the relationships we've had, you know, past, current and present, you know, have a lot to do with molding who we are and what we do and the decisions we make and stuff. And so I definitely encourage people to do that in their um, worlds they create with their characters as well. And so that's why the second part of that workshop is, you know, it's basically, I call it different things, but like it takes a village is kind of, you know, the thing because, you know, I like my big cast of characters Mm -hmm. and I feel like those characters, you know, they're not just there to say, Hey, I got the next book. They can really make the story so much richer and show you a lot about who that character is without you just telling people, you know, oh, he's nice or, (laughs) you know, he's sympathetic or whatever. These other characters in this world that populate this world help you to show that and it just makes the story so much richer. So um, we get to do that and I share all my tricks that I use um, to to build out these characters. And I'll share one um, trick, like one of the main tricks. And that is, I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And I don't always do it the same way. But one thing I definitely learned early on was using um, Zodiac uh, signs to like really get like a full idea of who this character is. I <laughs> love that. It's so much fun. <laughs> like, especially if you get a site, like I think, I think it's horoscope.com that I use because that one gives you like a really Instead of just saying, oh, you know, you should watch out for blah, blah, blah today. So, like, <laughs> it has, like, okay, this is what this personality is like. This is what they're like in love. This is what they're like with friendships. This is what they're like with money. Yeah. So it really gives you, like, a really full thing. And so, of course, you don't have to take everything that's there. Like, you can pick and choose. My character, 
I'm going to use these elements for my character. And, and it also spurs a lot of like plot ideas. So that's always fun. And I love seeing people um, like their faces light up <laughs> when we start doing that, they start doing that with their characters. So and that, and that was something that I learned, uh, you know, in a chariot dare workshop about, you know, she talked about using that and a bunch of other tips. And I think that was my, what made me fall in love with going to workshops was that cherry dare workshop. So yeah, it's, it's a fun process and I love doing it. And so I've done it with my local library systems as well as online with different chapters of RWA and, and what have you. So that's always, that's always so much fun. Okay. So I'm going to try to make this make sense. So say you have a wonderful plot idea, right? Like, let's just think of like um, waking up married, say like Reese back in the day before waking up married, say you have this wonderful plot idea. I'm like, it may be a great plot idea, but until I'm trying to pose this as a question, but it may be a statement, but like you had to then really dig deep and learn, like you can have a great plot idea, but if you don't really get to know the characters, does the plot idea kind of suck does that make sense the, oh, the getting to know the characters is like the, the priority that makes the plot a great idea it's key for me so i'm just gonna say it because you know I, I i say things i just say <laughs> yes yes this whole conversation that's going on about the tropes or whatever um i will say this i love my troops make no apology for it dig into them because i you know it's, they've been around in real advance forever but it is not the entirety of the story. You know, it, it gives you plot points. But for me, my romance has always been very character driven. So it's always about the characters. <laughs> and so for me, yeah, exactly. I, you can have a great plot, but if you start writing it and you don't know who the, if I don't know who the character is, I'm going to, I'm going to end up getting stuck. And that was my problem. Like before I started, you know, before I became a published writer, I couldn't, I kept starting stories and I couldn't finish them. So I would write and I'd be excited and take off like, you know, with fire. And then I would get stuck. And then I would set it aside for a day, for a week, for a year, for uh -huh. 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> this is sounding too familiar. Yeah. Very. And then I figured, I, I, I figured out like, well, actually I heard a, um, back in the day and it was Kimberla Lawson and Roby talking about how much she plotted and at the time i'm like i don't need no stinking plot <laughs> i'm a total pantser and so she talked about plot. like she plots plot, like she's the queen of plotting and i didn't want to plot that much but i'm like okay let me maybe try plotting this thing that you know this, this section that i can't you know i can't figure out what happens next and so it, it allowed me to finish that chapter or that scene first. And then I finished the chapter doing the same thing. Just a couple of sentences. Just a couple of sentences. Not anything super detailed. And then I was able to finally finish that book. And that's when I realized I'm definitely a hybrid of a plotter and a pantser. Mm -hmm. So I will highly recommend to anybody who thinks they're a straight pantser and they can't finish anything. Try doing a little plotting. It doesn't have to be anything super detailed. But like, let's just say like you're stuck in a scene or whatever. Just sit down for a minute and think, okay, who's in the scene? Why, what's happening? Why is this important to them? What is my goal that I want to come out of the scene? And what happens next? Think about those things. Just jot down a sentence or maybe two or three and see if that doesn't help you finish the scene in the chapter. And, you know, and if that's the case, maybe you're a hybrid and not a pure pantser and that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I learned is like, I need some kind of foundational level. And one of the foundational levels I need is I need to know who the characters are. So even if I start a story, like in a chapter or two, at some point, I need to really dig into who this character is. So if I don't use just uh, a profile, uh, uh, you know, that kind of profile, I might use some other kind of profile or I'm, I, I'm using a lot these days. Character wounds, uh, you know, there's some amazing uh, books on character wounds and things like that. Angela Ackerman and all of all of their series of books are, are really good and I have them in my library and I've started buying them in physical form, but I need to know that character. I know, need to know their motivations. Why do they think the way they do? Why do they feel it the way they do? Um, and so for me, those kind of profiles are like a shortcut as opposed to doing like a 20 page character profile. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, it's more fun and like 
it's the lazy way because <laughs> it gives you a lot to start with and you can just start peeling off layers and adding stuff back as a part opposed to starting with a blank screen. That's why I like that so much. Yeah. Yeah. They'll like give you an example of one, like, I don't know, parent left them and never came back. And it gives you like, this is how it may affect them in the long run. And it's like, oh, look at this cheat code. <laughs> yeah. And it right. has like positive traits that they can develop because of that negative traits that they can develop that, you know, beliefs that they might have about themselves. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's huge. And it's so helpful. It's like, there's so much that goes on underneath the surface of a good character, right? It's just, yeah. <laughs> so, so yes. So yes. And, and, and you, and going circling back to what you asked about waking up Mary. So like with a, with a book like that, Zora's character was very much, you know, I did still delve into her in her book. But her character was very much established over the course of the previous four books, right? So my biggest challenge with that was keeping her true to who she had been, kind of this, you know, smart ass, you know, funny little sis, little spoiled, but also super smart and insightful. Keep her all of that energy, but not make it too much where mm -hmm. it's overwhelming in a single book, you know, because like she was kind of like the snack, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was the dessert. <laughs> and so hard and cold they were like a snack and a dessert so in their own book the challenge was to like keep that energy that made them popular but at the same time not make it so overwhelming where they're like okay oh my god she's annoying you know what i'm saying yeah. so and so i needed to dig into some of the other elements of her personality and stuff and and all of that and then but dallas he was like mentioned and but we never got to know him so he was a complete like who is this guy trying to figure that out. And and I enjoy doing it. I, lo I love creating his character. Well, in a blog interview, we read that you shared uh, on a link to on your website, you shared two obstacles that you face in the beginning of your writing journey. You said self-doubt and an inability to get to the end of a novel, which you may have just touched on how to get to the end. But can you share how you worked through those obstacles and share any advice you have to aspiring writers who may be experiencing the same? So yes, I just addressed the thing about the, the getting to the end is like, for instance, especially if you're not plotting, try it. Just try pop, you know, lightly plotting at first to, to see if you can get to the end. And the other thing I would say, and I often say this in the workshops, is if you're stuck like that, you probably don't know your character well enough. Mm -hmm. So like, I also compare it to there's knowing some, like, it might sound silly to say you don't know your character well enough. When I'm the one, who, when you're the one who created it, right? <laughs> you're like, right. who's going to know the character better than I do? But then there's knowing people like I know my neighbors, I know their names, and I know them and I see them in passing and wave. And then there's people like your bestie that you really, really, really know, you know, super well, or your sibling. So that's the kind of level of knowledge you need to have about your characters, especially your ma your main characters, in order to make that shine through. You don't have to drop everything you know about dude on the page <laughs> but being having that knowledge will inform how you write and really really make that character come through um so much better so much uh make the character 3d and really make the character uh, be drawn in a way that readers can connect you know mm -hmm. and either find similarities to themselves or people in their lives whether it's people they love or people they hate. <laughs> so yeah. um, getting to know your characters and consider trying outlining are the two um, things I would say for learning to finish the story. As for this whole thing of self-doubt and imposter syndrome and stuff, absolutely something I still struggle with after I can write a book and at the end I can read it and think, okay, this was great. I did not think this book was, I thought this book was crap when I was writing it. This book was great. <laughs> <laughs> and yet when I start my next book, I still will get to a point in the book where I'm like, I, this is crap. You don't know what you're doing. This is awful. <laughs> so I often do have that, but I would definitely say, for instance, this week I had some really Lovely comments from one from uh, Gina Jeannie Devita, who teaches uh, the Romance Academy and teaches at UCLA, saying that she teaches um, a reunion of rivals in her course and how much the students have enjoyed it, and just that kind of comment or comments from my editor, comments from other readers that like remind you, oh, okay, maybe you do know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe people do enjoy the work you output. So keeping just comments like that around, I think, 
is helpful or, you know, not only digging into what you do well, but also taking the time and effort to learn the things you don't do as well mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the craft of writing can really help you in terms of getting over those moments of self-doubt. I love that a book of yours is part of a curriculum. To me, that's like, you know, yeah, sure. Like we would all love to write a book that's turned into film, but like a book that's being taught academically, I just, I'm like, that's, that's, that's it right there. I first read it, I was like teary and surprised and just excited. And so, yeah, I try to like dig back into that, hold on to that. Whenever I get into those moments of, you don't know what you're doing. Yes, you do. Just calm down and work it out. (laughs) One of the best shows I feel like in terms of character development that I can think of is Elementary. It's Mm -hmm. the CBS version of Sherlock Holmes with, uh, I can't think of Johnny's last name, but, and Lucy Liu and Lucy Liu plays Watson and he's just brilliant. They're both brilliant. And it's just such a good show. And the character development on that show I highly recommend, I love that show. It's one of my favorite shows ever, but I will say, I will say it. <laughs> the last season was crap. <laughs> was so that seems to be a trend with, with television shows. Yeah. They had ended it where it ended at the end of season, I think it was five, where they had gone back to London for a reason that I won't say for anybody who's never seen the show. That would have been perfection. But like I said, the show was so good, but the character development was so good in that show that even the tiniest things Sherlock did had so much meaning. If you've been watching the show and seeing his growth and knowing, you know, the kind of person, the flaws that he had as an individual. So you would know it's little things that seem just silly or basic to someone else were huge areas of growth for him or showed his immense respect and affection for Watson. So like I look at, you know, you learn from things like that. You learn from people, real life experiences. You learn from things like that. And then there are cheat codes like these books that we've been talking about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that can really, really help you delve into to, to character so that you can write characters who feel very real and are memorable. Well, before Aaron moves on to the next question, I want to bef- touch on something else. Like with you talked about self-doubt. Mm-hmm. With romance feeling so huge... How do you think, I mean, for especially, I see on Twitter every day, people are submitting to pitches, like people are writing. What would you say to them experiencing self-doubt just when they look at the genre and how big it is right now, how big it feels? How, what would you say to them? I would say probably the best advice I've ever heard on something like that is um, a writer, Tasha Harrison, often would say, um, keep your eyes on your own paper. Mm. And that's good advice, not only for a new writer, but for even for a writer who's been out there for a long time and you're thinking to yourself, I never make those lists or, you know, I never blah, blah, blah. You know, keep your eyes on your paper. Just control the things you can control, writing the absolute best book you can. That's something you can absolutely control is writing the best book you can. And um, so that's what I would say. Yeah, Write the best book you can be open to learning your entire career. You know, I even at this, I'm what I'm at, like 20 something books in, that's nothing compared to other writers, but you know, 20 books in, I'm still constantly trying to improve my craft. I'm trying to get better at different elements of my writing and stuff. I want, I, I want to try to make every book better than the one before. So, you know, having that kind of, kind of keep your eyes on your own paper, be open to continually trying to learn and improve and read widely. That's another that's another piece of advice I would give. Please don't be that person who's like, I'm gonna make write romance and make money and you've never read romance. That's just so freaking insulting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> to mention is just not a good way to try to get into the market to, you know, so not we that will you're trying eat you alive. <laughs> <laughs> not that you're trying to replicate exactly what's out there, but you know, you you do wanna know, you know, what's being what's hot, what's being read what people are liking, what they're not. And I mean, when you read a book, you think to yourself, you know, I I like this. I want to see more of this. Or, you know, I I like the way they did this. I didn't like the way they did that. You know, yes, I read for pleasure, but you're also getting a little education every time, (laughs) every time you read a book. And so, Mm -hmm. yes, you should definitely read and read widely. Like I said, not just romance. I learned a lot from other dramas too. So 
Well, your sixth Bourbon Brothers book, The Bad Boy Experiment, released back in January. We'd love to hear you chat about what inspired you to write a series following a family and how it feels to have the series concluded. <laughs> so I, I look back all the time, I'm like, wow, I can't believe it's like as planned, the series is, is over. And I'm like, but like, I wasn't ready to let them go, which is why in my new series, The Valentine Vineyards, they are very much a part of the series as well. Um, but what inspired me to write that series was a combination of two things. Um, one is learning the story of Nearest Green, who was a formerly enslaved man who taught uh, Jack Daniels how to make whiskey. Mm-hmm. And then around the same time, I saw my husband and I watched the series, The Men Who Built America, which was really fascinating. It was like docudrama kind of uh, documentary where they like <clears throat> reenacted scenes from like, all these huge men. Oh, like um, the and Rockefellers and all that. Exactly. You know, and so it gave me the combination idea, like what if Nearest Green had been able to create his own empire instead of just helping Jack Daniels build his. And Jack, <laughs> and so that's how that series came alive. So once I had that idea about a Black family having their own whiskey distillery, then it went from there then I had to start figuring out who these people were that were a part of this family and it just went from there so uh it was such a great experience I've loved every minute of you know writing that series like I said wasn't ready to let it go so I created another series set in the same town (laughs) and they are very much a part of it especially in that first book like they're very very much involved in this book so um yeah so it's bittersweet knowing that the series has concluded, but I'm like always in the back of my mind. I'm like, hmm, all these kids they're having, they're going to grow up one day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Great to hear. <laughs> Let's keep it going. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, you think like Queen Brenda with the Westmorelands. I mean, I don't even know what book. <laughs> number we're yeah. on so just just keep the bourbon brothers family the series going <laughs> however you he is actually the inspiration for why i was like okay this series has to be connected because i knew already that i wanted to make a series about a family that that was uh that uh had a vineyard so i knew it was gonna be a black family who had a vineyard so i already had that in my mind i knew that was gonna be the next series i pitched them and she was on the show it on on my show story behind the story and she talked about like she learned never end a series and so at that point i can't remember which book i was on but i was already like nearing the end of my series and i'm like damn it <laughs> how am i gonna how am i gonna not end this series when the next book is coming up soon like the end is coming up soon and so i'm like i know how I'm going to connect the two series. And so I'm going to connect these people. And so that's what I did. And that's one of the reasons that was actually one of the main, as my main impetus, basically (laughs) for having this be connected, but it just worked out so perfectly, Um, you know, for the series, the, the, the families to be connected and for it to be in the same area and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, but I learned I learned that from now on. Don't officially end the series ever. Thank you, Miss Brenda. Right, <laughs> right. I don't think anyone's going to be disappointed to know that that you're not going to be ending series anytime soon here. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, and can I just say, Savannah's Secrets. Whenever I see that cover, I just have to stop and look at it and just stare at it for a while because there's just. There's so much power in like her pose and her face and everything. And he's just like such a big, just like strong presence behind it. There's something about the dynamic of it. I just have to stop and look at it every time, every time I see it. I was so excited when they came up with that cover because that was my first book with Desire. And I had, <clears throat> I had moved over to Kamani like about six months, I think, before they had made the announcement about it closing. And um, so when they, I was writing a book or whatever. And so like, when it was time for the cover, like I had knots in my stomach because I'm like, oh my God, what are they going to give me? This is gonna, oh, I'm so, I was like so afraid. <laughs> and so when I saw that, um, I was so overjoyed, not only because like I felt like they really captured who they were, how, how I had imagined them both, but the extra work that they went to of putting the two of them in the exact outfits they were wearing in this one scene, 
you know, when they at the Jubilee or whatever <clears throat> for the family or whatever, that is the exact outfit that both of them were wearing mm-hmm. at that event. And the fact that they did that, I was just like, what? I loved it so much. So <clears throat> that is that will forever be one of my faves. <laughs> well, we want to pick your brain a little bit on trope writing. So we're just going to name some of the ones that we've read and enjoyed in some of your books. And I mean, this the answers can totally just be about the characters. It can be specific techniques, like whatever comes to like the top off the top of your head. So let's do first best friends to lovers. What would you say is your advice on writing best friends to lovers? Ooh. <laughs> okay first of all i would say this i love this is one of the tropes that i really really love because um again i'm gonna be honest just lazy zora and dallas did not feel lazy okay no 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 no. exactly and so that's what i'm saying for anybody who thinks oh this is this is exactly what i'm talking about tropes is lazy no that's not what i'm saying don't put words in my mouth i'm saying i like this uh ones that have where the characters already have a previous connection Mm-hmm. that's where, to me, that's so much easier to write characters who have some sort of connection as opposed to people who are meeting for the first time and you have to build the entire relationship out. So I, if you notice most of my stories, like there's some kind of previous connection um, with the characters. I have a lot less where they're meeting for the first time. And so with best friends to lovers, whatever, th- that so that can be tricky because People are always like, uh, you know, you'll hear people complain, oh, you know, I don't understand what the conflict is. If they're, you know, friends or whatever, you know, how hard is it for them to, to express that they like each other? And I try to really convey that, not in words so much, but just like like in their inner dialogue and stuff and um, how they act in that book in Waking Up Mary. Because to me, I, I see it from the opposite point of view, because this best friend is like a huge part of your life. And it's such an important relationship. So if you take that chance on saying, hey, I feel like this about you, and either they don't reciprocate or it doesn't work out, then you're blowing up one of the relationships that are most important to you in your life, right? So, but I feel like for it to really work, you have to be, you have to convey that. You have to find a way in the story to convey that both characters really feel the kind of weight of, what happens if this does not work out, you know? That's the huge stake. The huge stake is their friendship. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't, so I'm like totally the opposite on, on that for people like, Oh, what's the big deal. It, it, to me, it's a huge deal. If that's a huge, important relationship in your life. So I guess that would be the tip is to make sure that you find a way to really convey that conflict of why. Yeah. And in their (laughs) story in particular, you did, it was so fun, which, I mean, I think it's still just one of my the funniest moments in romance that I've ever read. But like, you know, with friends to lovers, like you you have that moment where it's like, oh, all of a sudden I feel different about you. You literally <laughs> make it. I mean, they get married <laughs> under the influence. <laughs> like you kind of forced that upon them. So I think there's it's just brilliant because it goes to show that there are other ways to make that happen for the characters. <laughs> I'm glad you said that too, because that is one of the things I try to do with tropes is I try to like turn them on their head a little bit or try to make, do them in a different way than I expected. Even if that means like stacking them to, 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 to give you some kind of variation. So it doesn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're like, what do they say? There's only so many stories out there anyways, and we're all just doing different variations of those stories. <laughs> So like just the more you can mix it up, I think with the tropes, it it makes it more interesting and more fun. So Oh gosh, when you think back to that book and it's like, well, I'm sure we didn't at least we didn't put it on Instagram or we didn't put it on social media. And then Dallas is like, uh, we did. <laughs> Everybody knows. <laughs> so classic. I love those stories so much. And thank you for saying that you thought it was one of the funniest because I wanted them to tag that book as a romantic comedy. And at the time, they're like, we don't do romantic comedy. And I'm like, but it's so funny. Yeah, (laughs) that was a game changer for me. I was like, oh, Desire can be funny? (laughs) (laughs) It was was such a fun book to write. It really, really was. So I'm glad that that came across to readers as well. So thank you. 
Okay, how about a family rival to lovers with a surprise pregnancy? So this is Savannah Secrets, and let me tell you. So, okay, so this one, I love, the thing I love about this one is that it's kind of enemies to lovers. Only dude has no idea that she's his enemy. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the kind of like twist on that one, and I absolutely loved it. And I will say, for most, for the this is, and I think this is the only book I can say this about. On, I'm going to give you a little scoop if you don't already know. Okay. <laughs> so when I pitched this story to them and I, my editor at the time was like, oh, we love it. This is great. Well, you know, it's a revenge story or whatever for, for Bourbon Rose. Can you throw in a, a surprise baby? And I'm like, uh, nope. <laughs> but, but I can do an unexpected pregnancy. And they're like, okay, okay, we can do that. And even with that, at the time I was like, I honestly don't feel like Savannah would do. I feel, I feel like she would not. This would not happen to her. But <laughs> we made it work. And so, like, I would say probably that's the only time I've ever, like, bent a story plot a little bit. So, I mean, and it turned out well because that was the beginning of the children <laughs> in this family. And so that, is, that are building, like, the Bourbon Brothers 2.0 that we'll have in the future. So <laughs> so Davis was the first of the children, and so that worked out well. But, yeah, so for that one, it's, it, you know, that, I, I don't want to say it's bonkers, but I just, <laughs> there was just so much going on um, with that story. Like, it's hard to, it's hard to even give you any advice on that one. <laughs> because, because, like I said, I, I, I just... I love like family drama and family conflict and stuff. And I will say about that book. Okay. So this book is very polarizing. I feel like, like, so I feel like people, a lot, it, it definitely took my career to, to another level. Right. But it's also very polarizing. So even people who love the entire series, there are still folks that are still mad at Savannah <laughs> because because of how she came into the family, like, like a wrecking ball and stuff. And so, but I definitely try to show throughout the course of the series, like you'll see in several books that she feels regret over how she came, like, like how she came into to, uh, Blake's life and, and things like that. So definitely there's regret on her part about uh, the whole, you know, secret undercover mission she was on <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So she does reflect on that sometimes. And I thought it was important for me to show too that the mother of the family the matriarch iris feels how much how very how much she loves savannah and respects her and that she feels like she was a game changer for their family because basically once she came in and her and blake had this relationship it's like all the other dominoes started falling which was always her belief that if <laughs> if one of her kids got married then the other ones would eventually start to find their their life mates and that's pretty much what happened Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So on that one, I would say, what's the lesson on that one? Mix up your tropes, like yeah. add different tropes. So it's like enemies to love. It's, it's like a work romance and it's a rivalry, but with a twist because he doesn't know he's her rival. Then you got the surprise pregnancy. It's family drama. It's just a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like so, what a way to shake things up with enemies to lovers what? than to throw in a baby. <laughs> So yeah, so I, the, I I think the lesson of that book is just it can be really fun to mix up stories and use that to deepen motivation yeah. for the characters and uh, to add a level of drama to the story. Okay, okay. What is your 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 thoughts or advice on second chance after one unforgettable night? Okay, so okay, like oh, one unforgettable night. Let me think about which one was that. Oh my god. This is going back to Kamani days, so you might have to really stew oh, on it. Yeah, but. Okay, so yes, okay, 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 yes, okay, okay, okay. So it's second. So you're calling it second chance after one. I forget. Well, I mean, whatever you want. You you wrote the books. You call it what you will. Okay, <laughs> we had one unforgettable night, and now boom, <laughs> we're back in this space together. Ah, okay. Wait, 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 wait. Are we talking about the same book? Wait a minute. Is this playing with desire? Y- yes. No. Or, or is this, or is this, or is this the one with Wes and, okay, so everyone okay, so the interesting, okay, so, okay, so you threw me off a little bit when you said one unforgettable night, because they did not actually have sex that, that unforgettable night today. Okay. So that is an, also a fave of mine. <laughs> that book. I did really, what is, what is that one called? Oh my God. I'm, at this point, I'm getting old. Like, 
<laughs> that one is playing with seduction, right? Yes. Wes, Wesley is the best friend of Liam, who is in Play One Desire, the the first Kamani in that series, the Pleasure Cove series. Okay. I love that book so much. Because, okay, so that's another one where, again, the characters had a previous connection, right? So they actually met, at the, I think, at the end of Playing With Desire. When Liam was in London, that's where they actually meet in the bar there. And so here we are later, and then they end up working together. And she's pissed because she was really like Tim and thought they had a connection. And he's like, I'm going to call. And he didn't never, he had never call. <laughs> so, but I love, again, that's another one where the characters had some kind of connection. And they had this night that was very special to her. And she, at least it was her. And he, it was to him too, but he had his reasons why he, why he didn't move forward or, or whatever. But they just, there's so much to dig into. So she's resentful of him because she's still very hurt by it. And then he's got his family drama going on. She's got her family drama going on. So that was a fun one too to mind. And then like, then that, that was one that brought back Liam, who was from the book, you know, the first book he was there. He's very much a character. I don't know what advice I have for that one. Other than I love that book. <laughs> and, you know, that was another one that like, I, I love the scenes that were in Asheville. Mm-hmm. You know, because they had that date night in Asheville and whatever. And Asheville is a place that I love here in North Carolina. And isn't that everything... where we had the uh, Moonlight Ridge? Was that? Yes. Was that? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 So exactly. And so in uh, um, Plan with Seduction, there's like they really, really delve into like Asheville. If you ever wanted to visit Asheville, <laughs> they go to the Biltmore Estate and just they do all these amazing things there so but yeah so it, that was another one where it was it was cool to see that like they were kind of enemies in the beginning and then they had to work so again enemies still enemies like enemies to lovers like it was a second chance romance kind of even though they didn't have a full romance in the first place um workplace romance their neighbors they got you know they it, it was so fun to do that where we have all these little elements that get mixed up to to create this this new thing so mm-hmm. yeah that was fun <laughs> I don't, look it's a shame when you get to the point that's why i don't i can't even imagine people <laughs> like brenton jackson who have like over 100 books like the, how they remember all the characters yeah. and, and stuff from the best, best books it's like I'm i wrote like, that oh i did okay <laughs> yeah but that that is actually like probably one of the ones if like you said okay what's five books of yours that you feel like somebody needs to read that will probably be on my list playing with seduction mm-hmm. um i just love the story between wesley and brianna and how they how they kind of built their relationship and the, and I also because i love you know the elements of family and stuff and i love his mother's character and that and how she kind of developed a relationship with his mom and all that kind of stuff so and the twist in that one as well so you know i like to do twists whenever i can all right. Well, what about a fake engagement? So those are fun. <laughs> those are fun. And that book with Parker and Kaylee. Oh, my God. That was so fun for me to write. I, I felt like before Waking Up Mary, that probably was the one that had the most elements of humor um, that I had written, probably. But that one was just fun, too, because Parker was a character. And again, if nothing else, it should also show people that how important you know, new writers, how great it can be to have connected series, right? Mm-hmm. Because in Parker's book, again, Parker was another, um, and that's Engaging the Enemy, book three in Bourbon Brothers series. Parker was a character in the first two books that people kind of love to hate, you know? So <laughs> it was a challenge to then give him his own book and make him be the hero that you fall in love with. So when an author friend of mine who I love and respect deeply read that book and dm me to say girl you did that <laughs> she's like how did you make me fall in love with this food that i hated in the right. first two <laughs> and i was like yes so um that was the big challenge there but again it's getting to know the character delving into them going into their character wounds trying to trying to see them from a different point of view and like i said the only thing i regret about that book is that i wrote care i wrote parker as a an adult black male who's undiagnosed and on the spectrum, <clears throat> who's never formally diagnosed, but is on the spectrum. And I did, but I did not 
put that in the book because I like I was so afraid people were going to come come for me I'm like you didn't write this right or whatever so like I just wrote it that way and that's how I wrote him the whole time and that's why you'll you know people the comments keep being made about him not being a people person but you know, he's, so he's not a bad person it's just that he 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 can be difficult <laughs> and yeah. for people who don't know him they don't understand why the family does understand why they're still gonna call him on his his stuff like okay you can't be an asshole but <laughs> they're like here's the reason why they understand yeah why he is the way he is and so um so like i definitely corrected that when i got to write a later book where i did create a, a did include a character who was on the spectrum and made that quite clear okay last one we're going to texas cattlemen's club forbidden romance off-limits lumber- lovers. <laughs> <laughs> that okay. So <laughs> that book has some of my favorite like dialogue or whatever where they call each other or she calls them Ice Tea and Two Pies and Ice Tea like that's their rap names because <laughs> they met in the pie shop. <laughs> but um, that one, okay. So that one was fun, and it, the I honestly probably would never have thought to write a story like that right but it was texas cattlemen's club where they developed the story bible or whatever so they give you like the basics of the character you have plenty of room to do all your own stuff you know so i absolutely brought my own stuff to all these characters as you could probably tell (laughs) but um that that was one of the keys that, that they needed to be from these rival families. And so that was a lot of, that t- that turned out to be a lot of fun to write because I was like a little hesitant about it at first because I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. But it turned out to be so much fun because again, the characters, like they just like, they're like, okay, he's a lawyer and she's whatever. And a fashion designer or something. And so I got to create these characters who are, you know, kind of, op- you know, opposites in a lot of ways. <laughs> but also have these things that bring them together. And it was just so much fun to do that. So, um, and it, it, it would allow me to go into the forbidden romance, you know, genre without getting into anything that I, I felt icky about, you know what I'm saying? Like there's some genres, I'm not going to name any, <laughs> like that maybe I personally might not feel, you know, just don't work for me. Yeah. Like, I, I yeah. Can get my, wrap my head around them, but they might have that element of forbidden romance. And so this one, you know, doing something like that gives you a chance to delve into something like a forbidden romance trend um, in a way that's, that's different or the way, a way that, that kind of can suit who you are as a writer. And so like having them be from these families that are, are the, the fathers are, are rivals and hate each other and they have all this kind of bad history, but they find out, you know, that they're not so bad. They find out that they're pretty decent people, each of them. Yeah. <laughs> and that they have a lot in common and like each other. So again, I don't know what the lesson is there. <laughs> <laughs> other than exploring different ways. Like, I guess that would be the lesson with that one. You know, with forb- a Forbidden Rainbow Romance, there's not just one way to write that. Right. You know? Yeah. It doesn't have to just be, you know, this thing. It can, there's all kinds of reasons that can kind of make it feel that way. I feel like that even for, um, Another trope that I really like is uh, like best friends, little sister or whatever. That one also can have a very forbidden romance feel because it's like, you you know, that's another situation in which you are risking a friendship with this person you've been best friends with forever. If you get in a relationship with their sibling and you screw things up. (laughs) Yes. I never thought about it like that. That's so true. I definitely look at that one as kind of delving into the forbidden romance too. So, and one of the other books I've written that has this forbidden romance is Candidly Yours, and it's uh, it's an indie book, but it's um it was fun because she was older than him. She's ten years she's ten years older than him, and he was the former best friend of her younger brother. And so again, it gives you that whole kind of forbidden romance thing. So that's the thing I would say there look for different ways you can put a twist on forbidden romance. It can be something fresh, something new, just something that works for you. Well, from what we can see online, your next Desire novel, A Valentine for Christmas, is scheduled to release in December. Can you share with us what it's about? Yes. The prodigal son, uh, a prodigal son of um, (laughs) Magnolia Lake, which is the town the Abbots live in, um, in Bourbon Brothers, 
uh, he begrudgingly returns back to town to be the town doctor because of an agreement he made where the bur- the abbots paid for his whole ride as a doctor if he would come back um, and be the doctor for a certain amount of years in the town. Very, uh, what, is it, what is that Alaska show that they had years ago where he had to go back and be the town doctor or whatever? Very much a feel like that. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so he comes back to do that and on the plane to return he encounters our heroine who is going who has been summoned to magnolia lake by her father for reasons she has no idea what they are um (laughs) uh and so that they meet there on the plane they meet repeatedly in several ways in town and so uh he meets her and is taken by her and she kind of helps him get past his very difficult past and and want to start roots there in the town so now the question is can he get her to also stay in town (laughs) and start a new life with him so yeah it's a huge it's a this one is a huge introduction to the entire valentine family and like i said but we also get to see a lot of the characters that we loved in the past from the avid family as well so hashtag don't end a series (laughs) yes exactly exactly Like, like i said especially in that first book they are very very involved you'll see a lot of the characters from the past books there in that story <laughs> okay so we also saw that you have a cowboy kind of thing which is like a february 2023 release is there yeah. anything you can tell us about it or is it too early um i don't think it's too early to say that this is probably it has to be the first texas cattleman's club that has several black characters in it Okay. I feel like. So, um, but the other thing that I can tell you is that my very first um, Texas Cattlemen's Club book was His Until Midnight, uh, Tessa and Ryan's story mm-hmm. in the um, one that was like a, it was like a, a bachelor. An auction or something. Yeah. So that book. So this series, the first uh, story, my book is her brother's story. So in that book, in his until midnight, Tessa had a brother trip, who was a trip. (laughs) (laughs) And so this story is, this book is his story. And I will also say that part of the reason uh, that gave life to this particular mini series of Texas Cowlands Club is um, for the longest, one reader in particular, uh, Kim, (laughs) a reader writes, Mm -hmm. kept asking me, when we were going to see trip story and if I was going to get to write it. And so like, she would ask periodically, like once a year between like the five years or whatever. <laughs> Shout out to Kim. <laughs> yes. And so I finally like kicked that over to my uh, editor at the time, Charles, who, because I had stopped, I had stopped writing Texas Cattleman Club books for a while. And I mentioned it to him and he was like, well, you know, I didn't really know you still wanted to write Texas Cattleman's Club books. And so he kind of took this idea back. And the next thing I know, we've got this series where I get to write Trip Story. <laughs> and he finally gets his love relationship. So um, I think I think if the book is out, the also the series name is out, it's called The Wedding. So I'm not going to say whose wedding it is, but it is a relative of, of Trip's. And so during the course of the series, the wedding is being planned or whatever. And you have all these different people falling in love along the way. So um, I'm kind of excited about that uh, that one, too. And I'm also really excited because I saw the cover for that one. Oh, and you mentioned Off Limits Lovers. And that was probably one of the first Harlequin category books where it had... Um, she had box braids pretty much, I think, on the cover. It wasn't that's not what she had in the book, but <laughs> this is probably one of the first like covers where of theirs, the category romance of Harley Quinn's, where they had the woman with the box braids like that on it. So I was kind of excited about that. And so this on this one on the cover, she also has a hairdo that I haven't seen a lot on um some Harlequin books. And I really she's just the cutest. And so I'm so excited. Well, that's all the covers. I can't wait for y'all to see the cover. We love it. We can't wait. Yeah, it's a lot of <laughs> yeah. fun. And it's so it's um lots of your fave, you know, category romance writers. So um me, I quit, um uh Jessica Lemon, I think, Karen Booth, and so there's another author as well. 
and there's one more and she's gonna kill me and i'm sorry but it's really early and i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) we are excited and can't wait it's fine yes yes Yes. (laughs) and i'm like i'm like i got a stack of her books in my office in the other room and i'm just like sitting here like my brain just won't work (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's gonna be a fun series like like I said with the wedding, so of course it's the wedding. You know, he's all these different people who are involved in planning the wedding that are going to be part of the the folks who fall in love. So it's oh, going to be wait. it's going to be a fun series. Can't wait. Well, your first book released back in 2013, making the first move. What did yeah. the world of romance publishing look like to you as you were entering it, and how different or similar did it feel to, in comparison to where it is today? Yeah, it blows my mind. I just realized recently that my 10 year anniversary is coming up next year um, in 2023. So congratulations. Um, yes, congratulations. <laughs> um, so how, how is it different? Okay, so back then, it definitely seemed like this magical mystery world, like, like, um, kind of like the behind the curtains of, uh, you know, the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> like what you have no idea what's going on back there. Um, so, and self-publishing was very much a thing, but it was terrifying to me. So I was afraid to, uh, delve into that a hundred percent. And so I was excited about it and I learned a lot, um, during that period of, of being newly published. And so it's been very interesting to see how things have changed over the years primarily the publishers who are eating each other alive <laughs> and how the number of them has dwindled down Definitely, so yeah. much over yeah. the years. Um, it's also been interesting to see how indie publishing has changed. Like it's exploded where you have probably never been a time where there's been more uh, books out there and less gatekeeping so that people can tell their stories um, and stories that a lot of times the publishing they'll say, oh, I don't know how to market this. And then, you know, indie publishing, you can get, get it out there. But at the same time, also, the environment has changed. The Zon has changed things a lot from those early days of indie publishing to how they kind of uh, helped it grow to where it's like, oh. Sorry, could you say that again? No. <laughs> that would be that would be my watch. I wasn't talking, I wasn't even talking to her. <laughs> I wasn't so, even talking to her. <laughs> like don't stop it um so like yeah it's it's changed everything has changed a lot and i feel like now we're just at a point where we realize it's gonna you know the things are gonna keep changing that you have to to learn to move with them yeah so i i do know for me personally realizing that i've come up on on, i'm approaching this 10-year anniversary or I'm, I'm a year out a little bit less than a year out from it now and one of my goals when I first started was to be a fully hybrid author where I was doing you know just as much indie as I was you know trad and like I just have been on this tread treadmill or this hamster wheel with these deadlines and stuff with trad where I have not really had a chance to focus on doing any indie stuff and so that has been a that is a priority for me yeah. As well in the year ahead is to, you know, gravitate to doing more indie projects as well. So you will definitely be seeing more of that for me um, in the coming years, especially like in 2024 is when I hope to really start to be releasing a lot, lot more indie stuff in addition to doing track. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into some roundout questions. Are you ready? Uh-oh. Tell yes. us. Yes. What is one of your favorite romance tropes to read? Okay, so I love fake relationships. And I also really love um, the one uh, sibling, best friend's sibling. Or Me whatever. too. Those, That's my favorite. <laughs> those are two of my, my, my faves to read. Fake relationships can just be so fun. So. I know I'm always like, sometimes you'll see these like tweets where people are like, I'm tired of fake relationships, but then you'll see this tweet where it's like, this is God tier trope. And I'm like, yes, it is. <laughs> it never needs I to go it. away. No. I love it. And I think the key with it is like, really, you have to have a, have a good reason for them to have this fake relationship and stuff. So, but yeah, there's so much fun. <laughs> what was one of your last unputdownable reads? 
So, okay. I knew you were going to ask me that. And so I brought my stack of books. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the... Uh, okay. I'm going uh, to... I can only say one. Um, you can say however okay. many you want. Yes, <laughs> it's your show. Two, Shielding Her Son by Katie Richards. Yes. And I really, really enjoyed and was wrapped up in His to the Fan by Sharon C. Cooper. As well as Big Chica's Don't Cry by Annette Chavez Macias. Those three books, I kind of gobbled, gobbled them up. Those are the last three books that I read. Paranormal, historical, romantic suspense, or contemporary. You get to be the heroine in a romance novel. Which of these subgenres uh, do you choose? So probably contemporary because that feels more comfortable. But I would love to be in a romantic suspense and be, <laughs> I would love to be in a romantic suspense and be like, you know, involved in like solving a murder yeah. or something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I basically gave you two answers. I am really bad at this. That's fine. No, this <laughs> is your fine. show. You, you yeah. say whatever. <laughs> well, is there a romance subgenre or category line you're interested in venturing into as a writer? Absolutely. So there's two that I already have plans to venture into. I had, and honestly, these ideas for these stories, I came up with maybe five, six years ago, but I felt like I really need to establish myself as a contemporary romance writer before I like ventured into other stuff. But I definitely have um, a historical romance. Oh. Um, so, and so that genre, and then I have a, I'm not sure if it's a romantic thriller or romantic suspense mm-hmm. series that I'm, I'm developing that I definitely want to do as well. So those two genres, definitely you will be seeing me do something in, in those in the next few years for sure. I think oh, it's safe exciting. to say, Miss Reese Ryan, that you are established and it is time. Us readers will read your historical. We will read your romantic suspense. Like, let's just do it. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And I, like, I am so excited. I really, really, really am excited about about the possibilities of both. So, well, what is one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received? Hmm. Mm. It can be life, writing, good, bad, whatever. Oh, okay. Let me let me just think about this. One of the toughest pieces of advice that I've ever received. <sighs> okay. So I'm going to flip this a little bit <laughs> and I'm going to just say it's one of the most important things that I discovered in the course of my life. And that is the importance of not playing the victim. And I say this and let me, let me put this caveat out there. All things kind of things happen in people's life. And there are a lot of things that happen that we can't control, you know, bad bosses, horrible politicians, you know, just all kinds of things happen that can make us a genuine victim. I'm thinking more in terms of like a person going through life, always seeing things like, why do these things always happen to me? People are always doing stuff to me. I used to, there was a point in my life in which I always just looked at things like, like it happened to me and I had no control over it. And changing my point of view to seeing, okay, what role did I play in this? And how can I change that going forward was one of the most empowering things that's ever happened to me. So that is one of the pieces of advice I give to people all the time that I know personally is to not always look at, okay, why did this happen? Why did, why did this happen to me? And think of like, what, what did I do that contributed to this? And sometimes you didn't do anything. But if you do look at the things that you can't control and and say, you know, because like even like for instance with a bad boss, I've. I had a horrible person that I worked for. And yes, he was a horrible person. <laughs> but I also looked at the fact that when I was in the interview, I kind of had a feeling he was a horrible person. But at the time, I needed, I needed that job and I needed the money. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I look at little things like just things like that. Like, your intuition told you XYZ and you didn't listen. Those kind of lessons. So, I feel like that's one of the most empowering pieces of things, uh, of advice I've ever learned for myself. And so I, always give that to other people. Well, lastly, where can everyone find you online? 
I am online at reeseryan.com. That's R-E-E-S as in Sam, E-R-Y-A-N.com. And from there, you can find me all the other places I am, like Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff. So that's the easiest way to find me. And I promise you, I really, really, really am going to get back <laughs> into doing the Story Behind the Story podcast because I do love doing that. And the readers love being engaged with, with authors. And so you're going to see that soon too, hopefully this fall. Well, we can't wait. Well, thank you. Please, we don't need it to be another hundred and so episodes before you come back. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, you have books coming out in the next few months, so we will be hopefully chatting again soon. Um, Thank you for sharing your time with us and just all the wonderful advice. Like, I just hope you know that you are a big fucking deal. Um, (laughs) So... Keep, you know, it's just such an honor to sit here and pick your brain. And I I just hope you know, like you are as big of a a deal as you are. Um, (laughs) This is the kind of stuff like I'm going to pinpoint this and put this like somewhere when I'm having one of those moments. Reason has a big fucking fucking (laughs) deal. Okay. (laughs) You heard it here. (laughs) Thank you both so much. And again, thank you for everything that you do. For the romance community and for romance authors and for romance readers, we appreciate you so much. Thank Thank you. you. Well, listeners, make sure you check the show notes. It goes without saying. We'll have all the links to where you can keep up with the incredible Reese Ryan, as well as whatever links we can find for the books that are coming up, A Valentine for Christmas and our cowboy kind of thing. The It's Trips, Trips Romance. Welcome back to the Texas Cattlemen's Club. We can't wait. And Aaron and I will chat with you in our next episode. Thank you so much much for listening everybody have a wonderful day bye bye